Starting in three, two, one. Hey, I'm Akko. And I'm Marcy. And welcome back to that Color Pages Book Club. That's right. It is, mm-hmm. as per usual, a bi weekly podcast that focuses on fiction, Ooh, a little bit of fantasy. Maybe ooh, ooh. a little bit of magical realism. I don't know. Come on. All yeah. written by writers from <laughs> Colorful Backgrounds. <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. Colorful Backgrounds. And today, today, mm. we're going to be finishing my pick, which is called Fierce Femmes and Notorious Liars by Kai Chang Tom. And, you know, I am... There is... There's so much. I mean, I mean, I feel like at this point, I'm like, there's so much to discuss. Like, there is so much to discuss. And everyone's like, yep, that's what y'all do <laughs> on the colored pages. But you discuss the things that you read. <laughs> that is indeed why we're here. So I'm not going to say that. I'm just going to say I'm excited for it. Um, Facts. I also yeah. feel like. And I hope y'all are doing well. Taking care of yourselves. Ooh, all that good shit. Drinking water. I know. Oh, yeah. stretching a little bit, you mm. know, just 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 taking care. Just, you know, just doing the exhale we all need. Oh, yeah. A little breath work, a little in out. Oh, yeah. Come, mm. come on. Maybe, ooh, maybe a yoga moment. Oh, mm. yeah. Stretch out those arms and legs. Everyone's like, are yes. we? Is this? What's are y'all OK? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm are like, oh, it depends on how you, how you angle it. <laughs> um, but yes <laughs> i feel like there's another portion of the readers who are like we haven't read the book so until y'all discuss it or give a summary we actually don't know what there is to discuss and you're right about that <laughs> you are correct <laughs> and yet are still okay well shit i mean that is also true i gotta also make i mean listen that's there are there are folks who listen to the podcast and haven't read the books yet and they oh, apparently yeah. they just like to hear us talk and i don't know like our like your energy, which is, oh. I mean, just deeply flattering. Thank you. Re- mm-hmm. Highly appreciate you. You have um, quite the velvety voice, so. True. So, uh, speaking of velvet tea voices. Sure. Yeah. All right. We'll go with it. I have a question. <laughs> like, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, in this book, the protagonist has a very romanticized life and that she, she kind of mixes fiction and reality all together, kind of like we do on this podcast. Mm. But mm-hmm. here's a question. What are times, and it's really just a flip of a question from last time, so my bad, but what are times mm-hmm. when you don't romanticize your life and why? What are the times I don't romanticize my life? Mm-hmm. Huh. That's a really good question. Um, I guess the go-to response is just when I'm going through it, like when I'm just having like a very hard time, especially when I'm like in the middle of what was otherwise supposed to be a fantasy. I think this is a very timely question because, like, <laughs> I um, you know, I live in a um large metropolitan city, and. <laughs> You know, like kind of when I was moving here a few months ago, like sort of the it was very much giving like, oh, yes, like it's a new start, honey. Yes, we're doing big things, mama. Like is this lit, Mm. bitch. Um, Like very much giving that. And I was like, oh, all my issues will go away once I'm in this new place, even though I knew. I mean, even when I was packing the bags, there was there was that inner monologue that was like, 
You know yeah. you're still the same bitch in another place. You, you know that's literally the only thing that's happening? You, you know how you're actually still the same person? You're just going to be in a physically different location, but still being in the same body. Just wanna, just friendly reminder, actually, that that's like going to be the only thing that's different in this situation. And I was like, yeah, like whatever. <laughs> um, and, you know, so like I moved here and like, you know, it's it's been an interesting ride, you know, whatever, whatever. We can talk about that later. But like, mm. I think certainly in moments here where I've been like sort of struggling with things, especially since like I'm still sort of adjusting to the space, it's kind of like, but damn, like I moved here to like get right. away from this. Like I thought like, you know, when I was in this new place, like it would like be different. So I think just in moments in my life where I kind of made a somewhat romanticized move, be it like a move somewhere or I you know, started to really build community with certain types of people or started to explore different, like, things that I, you know, different passions, whatever. Like, I think whenever I led with some kind of romantic or passionate sort of energy, when I struggle in that thing, it kind of brings me back to earth of being like, Mm. ah, yes, this is just, like, part of your life still. Like, you're still just a person navigating the things. And even if you're still, if you're navigating life in a space that you prefer, I mean, you still have to, with that, right. you know, work through the different struggles that, you know, we're still navigating otherwise. And, like, even just, like, artistic passions, ex- artistic expressions and stuff like that, I think it's, you know, even there, it's kind of like, okay, this kind of, you know, some some shit can, like, bring you back to Earth a little bit. Like, even, I mean, case right. in point, like, I... I um you know I I feel like I'm I'm not gonna be like so by the way not sure if y'all know but I like I like you know I love dance um because I feel like <laughs> I literally be saying that shit left and right so yeah so very much into dance but recently I've had like um an injury that I've been sort of navigating and that shit rocked my yeah. shit like it was really the first time I've had an injury in like years which I mean I mean knocking on wood like right. you know grateful for that I'm <laughs> grateful that that's the case but it really did rock me because I was like damn like I can't like this was my escape like this was my mm. like oh yes like at the end of the day my day could be absolute detritus just pure <laughs> unfettered <laughs> garbage just unrelenting bullshit and yet and yet, when you catch me in that jazz class, y'all ain't gonna know the difference. Right. Y'all ain't gonna know the difference because, period, I'm gonna be living my life. And I didn't have that. And I was just kind of like, and and still don't have that. And so it was kind of like, damn, like, well, shit, I guess I'll go for a walk. I mean, I guess I'll, I don't know, call my mama or something. Which, mind you, things I should have still been doing. Mm-hmm. You're like, like, I don't see why. Like, like it's not a zero-sum game of, like, calling my mama and going to dance class. Like, both can happen. You know what I mean? But anyway, like, that's that aside, like, it's just like... Your mom's surprised. She's like, huh. right? They must have pulled their hamstring when they're going. Right, but... <laughs> The bitch clearly got an injury because now she's calling me every day now. Like, <laughs> bitch, I'm busy. Um, not my mama being like, girl, I'm I'm busy. Like, I'm I'm, I'm gonna need you to find a hobby because you doing a lot. Um, Loki, that's my mama's energy, and I actually live for it. Anyway, but basically, um, you know, it's just it's 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 been very humbling in a way, and also just one of those things that reminds me that like, okay, even in things that you love, like sometimes for whatever reason, like mm. you know, it can kind of circumstances can kind of distance you from it and so you know ultimately there's one of those moments where i think there is just kind of like okay you are like things like just this you know things like this happen but also there's like that reminder too of like okay thankfully the injury that i'm navigating is like fairly innocuous it's not like you know Mm. not the worst thing ever like i'll be i'll be back soon it'll be fine (laughs) but you know it does kind of shake you a little bit and so i think that those are really the moments where i find that i don't romanticize my life as much because it's just kind of like okay i I can't really get lost in the fantasy because like Mm. 
Here's reality being like, oh, hey, by the way, just going to just going to knock on knock on your door. Hey, hey, reality. <laughs> hey, a- actually, girl, I know you tried to like dive into the fantasy. But... Still here, by the way. Cute fantasy. I like the wall wallpaper here, like the colors you got going. I love the aesthetic <laughs> of the room. Um, cute little fantasy. Still here, though. By the way, still happening. Just 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 so we're clear. Just so your ass remembers, bitch. I'm still in the background. So don't get it fucked up. And I'm like, reality, I really just don't. Right. I, I just why are we doing all this? all this and then reality is like um bitch can you find a hobby you really calling me a lot asking me these questions and i'm like not reality and my mama running off to like dinner together like what is happening anyway they have like a group chat that doesn't include you and it's like uh, right reality is that dinner with your mom and then you like text reality really it's like oh it's marcy and then your mom's like oh hold on they're calling me too right <laughs> <laughs> like just like, like reality's like girl just ignore it just ignore it we just gonna enjoy these breadsticks bitch like you know just, Not the ha- just have a good time huh <sighs> so you That's know real. i feel like anyway i feel like pain is a really big thing that pulls you out of it, it's a hard mm. hard place to fantasize um that's real because pain is such a visceral thing um i think that's mm-hmm. the same for emotional pain too when you're in emotional pain mm-hmm. it's really hard to romanticize and fantasize because mm-hmm. there's just so many like i don't know there's something just gnawing away at you that takes up all your attention and it, it's mm-hmm. hard to be out in a fantasy world that there's something that keeps pu- pulling you back into like a very tactile kind of physical space. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I feel like I was going to go a different direction. Interesting. And say, I think I romanticize less when someone else is involved. So like mm-hmm. if I have to account for someone else, then the reality mm. of the situation becomes increasingly important, right? Because mm. what's fun for my fantasy world may be just a heinous dystopian disaster <laughs> for someone else <laughs> to live in. <laughs> and, you know, at that point, you just might be the villain. There's like this, like, um, I have two examples. There's like the movie Paprika. And like, I can't remember the main character says this line where she's like, you don't just get to decide everybody's collective reality by yourself. Like we decide it together. And you kind of realize Mm. that like dictatorial or fascist or whatever violence is someone else just, you know, any type of oppressive violence is someone just perpetuating their fantasies on other people and making us all acquiesce to Mm. it. Um, without like a collective buy-in from other people. And so I think for me, there's always a moment where you're dealing with another person when you have to decide like, am I, you know, conscious of their reality? And the only way to do that is to like come out of my little garden of thought into like a shared, I don't know, living room, parlor room, kitchenette yeah park (laughs) island um (laughs) the listeners like do you want to just choose a mental location so we can all go there or are you just going to keep changing the scenery like it's a green screen and i'm like sorry we'll stay with the kitchenette anyway we have to choose one so that everyone can like can like get on the same page and then if we would 
like to, maybe it can become fantastical again in a way that everyone can enjoy. You know what I mean? I feel like that's yeah. that's a big one for me. I feel like once you involve everything involves other people obviously but like if i'm just walking down the street mm-hmm. or whatever and i'm fantasizing about the world that's one thing but like if i have a responsibility mm-hmm. like a kid or a sibling or a parent or a friend it becomes a whole different mm-hmm. story so i think that's one i think yeah. the other is when <laughs> violence <laughs> when someone is Oof, perpetuating yeah. violence i think it's a time when you're like i don't I don't know if romanticization is the direction we want to take. Actually, I do know. And the answer is no. (laughs) It's just not that. Mm. Because I think a lot of violence happens because everyone's kind of in a weird fantasy that they, like, don't want to break out of. So, for instance, like, when we were in college and there was a lot of, you know, sexual assault on campus and you get into these places Mm -hmm. where the lights are off and everything's dark and people can just be doing things and Mm -hmm. you have to have someone who's like hey that thing you're doing is heinous (laughs) um i think the a really good example was in unearthly briefly gorgeous with the monkey and the brains and you made this really good point yeah Mm -hmm. where you were like well because the i think the main the protagonist's mom or grandmother walks into the room it like kind of makes the whole thing things seem absurd and like shines mm. light on it so anyway though those two for me i feel like maybe it's about shifting the power maybe if going into a fantasy or romanticizing things is shifting power one way maybe coming back into reality is a different type of shifting mm. or yeah. not no that's real i mean honestly this is so interesting because i feel like i my go-to is to sort of view a fantastical or romanticizing notion or perspective is like one that offers like additional space or you know access to freedom liberation etc but like to to your point i mean it can literally the exact same opposite can be happening as well oh yeah all types of just i mean under the guise of fantasy and like detaching oneself from reality like Mm mm-hmm is a source that people use to justify their own just truly uh, like just horrendous behavior and so yeah that's why you never that is real no one ever thinks they're a villain you know like you you Oof. when you when you talk to people who've done heinous things you know mm-hmm. that's because most of our life like we said in the last episode like part of romanticization mm-hmm. is sharing your internal consciousness and it affects the reality right. of things so, mm-hmm. I like yours, though. I like that your fantasies are always, oh, <laughs> you know. Thanks, friend. Yeah. Yes. You're, you're, like, it's fun <laughs> to go with you on your your things, you know. So Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, everyone's net at least doing all right. Like, yeah. You know, it's like, it's like okay, yeah. Like, I mean, we're, we're generally chilling. Like, I don't know. Like, right. Like, some of the wallpaper's ugly, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, there's, like, a little too many pancakes for my, like, like a couple of waffles <laughs> would, like, really make it a whole box. Like, I just but... feel like waffles are deeply not appreciated here, um, <laughs> which is strange to me, but I'm like, but, of course, me, the arbiter of the fantasy, so I'm like, well, cho- clearly I'm going to choose the superior <laughs> of the breakfast items, so clearly it's going to be pancakes, girl. Obviously. I don't know what, what else you thought 
was going to be present. Um, but you know, we don't we need we don't need to hash out yet again. You know what is clearly such an obvious and simple truth for all of us to access. So, all right, that waffles are better. I completely agree. So, when oh, that's back- a, oh, not necessarily <laughs> the, the the takeaway. I don't know. I, that's really interesting. Um, <laughs> but that's what you got from that. I was um, listening to Master of the Gin that we did. Um, if you want to listen to it, you should listen to it, audience. Well, this this pancake waffle divide is older than I first originally gave credit to because, strangely, we're on the same side of the aisle in that episode too. And I was like, "Wow, this wasn't even a wait." Yeah, you were like something really? something pancakes, and I was like, "Sure, but waffles." But like, we didn't really go into it. I think we both like seemed to think the other wasn't so deeply invested. <laughs> clearly we were so you know and yet with time the the true colors all all came out um interesting interesting well i'm glad i kept it a stack i thought i I was nervous for a second you were gonna be like yeah and in master of gin you were team waffle (laughs) so you real flip floppy right now and i just find that energy really i don't know it's a little flighty for me it makes me a little uncomfortable i don't know i'm like at least we kept it a stack it's true pun intended because again you can make you 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 use expressions (laughs) you pancakes are good for expressions and food come on listen Uh, versatility i mean the moment pancakes come on now we're taking a break and when we come back I goes like we are done. We are done here. <laughs> when we come back, we will do the summary. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. See you on a bit. Awesome. Awesome. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Here we are. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. If you forgot what happened last time, um, even though you could be listening to these, like binge listening to it until the last time was actually right before this time, but we might have forgotten. So just as a reminder, here's what happened in part one. <laughs> to everybody. <laughs> to everybody. <laughs> it's kind of like when um, someone like, I don't know, like throws paint all over the room and the teacher's like, no one's getting racist until someone confesses. And you're like, why do we all have to get punished? Okay, so anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Were you in that scenario? I was. Yeah, as a kid. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. By the Shit. way. Wait, never... who was the culprit? Who did it? No. Do you think any of us snitched? What children are the best? Like, oh, that's real. Nobody that's real. Yeah, snitched, mm-hmm. or nobody knew, or none of us did it, and the teacher was just being awful. Who knows? Really, the or answer. we all collectively did it, and we were like, "Well, we're all equally guilty." Right. So that means we're all equally innocent. And so I'm like, "That that all... tracks." <laughs> or someone confessed, and I'm remembering very poorly because it was like the second grade. Okay, so anyway, so the protagonist, similarly <laughs> for me not remembering, here's what happened last time: the protagonist ran away from a city called Gloom, which it is what it sounds like it's gloomy okay yeah All it's the, like everything's the worst. dead yeah. everything's terrible the mermaids even the mermaids left even the mermaids like they were like it's <laughs> it's a chop <laughs> we're fantastical <laughs> creatures who have been alive for millennia or never depending on schrodinger's cat and even we're leaving so we may right. not be real but we're not here that's one thing we do know <laughs> so uh, oh my god i'm weak she escaped 
to the city of smoke and mirrors. Girl, I might be imaginary, but I'm not here. I live. I'm not in gloom. I'm sorry, keep going. Anyway, so the protagonist is also like, I'm not also, I'm also not in gloom. So she leaves to go to the city of smoke and mirrors, hang out on the street of miracles and meet all just like make a community and a family. She's also trans and she wants to live her life and be herself and find herself and community, mm-hmm. etc. So she mm-hmm. lands in uh, the city of Smoke and Mirrors. She meets Kamaya and Kamaya kind of runs this like community center and she provides kind of just resources, I guess, in general to mm-hmm. trans femmes and trans women in the city. And she meets mm-hmm. like a whole just group of people. But one day, a trans woman on the Street of Miracles is killed by John, and the police do nothing because I don't know why would a society work for you know the most in need of assistance group of people? That's like an absurd concept. I don't even know why I thought that would be something society would do. So, right, the girls decide and that, instead of just complicit in the violence or the perpetuators um, of violence yeah. most of the time. Mm, look at um, that. Yeah, wild. It's almost like we should not have the police anyway so the girls decide that perhaps <laughs> it's time to take things into their own hands um and so they become like the lipstick lacerators and it's rapunzel the protagonist esperanza valeria and i think laquisha's in there too kamaya is she, yeah, she, not yeah. in there we know that for kamaya is she's oh, kamaya is super not in the lipstick lacerators not in the group almost philosophically not in it diametrically opposed so anyway (laughs) (laughs) they basically basically they go around and they kind of like just beat up problematic men in their community so that's like college boys tourists you know shady business people all the people that just like come in are kind of like capital w worst you know like yeah they like have and and so like superman has the s on his chest like they have a w Mm -hmm. for the worst and not for wombo right (laughs) so over time things get wombo like spongebob okay anyway over time things get complicated because (laughs) they're starting to get notoriety from the media the media is like ah people are getting beat up ah and it's also kind of interesting these poor men right all that shit these poor Four rich, mean men who, why shouldn't they be able to just terrorize other people with no consequences? Okay. So it's also interfering with people's finances because men in general are less willing to come to the Street of Miracles. So that's not great for the femmes who do business there because they're like, hey, did need money to survive. So there's that. Then there's also Mm -hmm. an increased police presence, which is just like never a good thing. So Kamaya, of course, is like, hey, remember, like, you know, if you just like flip back to like three pages before this, when I said this was a bad idea, I just want to point out that everything I said would come to fruition actually has just come to fruition. And everyone's like, oh, I'm sorry, what? They said like as they they like got, you know, they're like whatever fisticuffs ready and left out the door. And she was right. like, I'm, st- I'm still telling you that it's not going to work. And they're like, we're still going with our fisticuffs. And then they're like, Akko, what is a fisticuff? And I'm like, I don't know. I, I just got the gym bag. I don't know what's in it. So. <laughs> a singular fisticuff. <laughs> just, just one. one. <laughs> like, what is... Right. Anyway, but so they eventually like run into a gang of men. It's like 12 people to be exact. And they're there to fight them. And, and then they explain it like... um, It's funny, actually. She references... The protagonist references um, that one movie, West Side Story, which I also referenced in the last 
episode. So we're... You did. Yes. I remember reading that and be like, huh, Akko definitely talked about this. Yeah. But I'm like, I mean, that obviously didn't influence the writing of the book. The book was already <laughs> written before we even started talking about it. Truly. <laughs> it's true. Me and the protagonist are just on the same page, I guess. But anyway, so, or it's actually just an iconic, mm. it's an iconic play that's been made and remade multiple times um, throughout the 20th and 21st century. So it's actually has nothing to do with me in particular anyway so as they were fighting as Akko dialogued about how this you know similarity actually made more sense and wasn't coincidental or is completely coincidental and had absolutely no through line whatsoever they managed to beat up the 12 men and but they get some injuries themselves you know they're they're not they, you know they got, they got a swollen face or you know busted up lip whatever and yeah. they're spending time recuperating and then they learn about Valeria's you know backstory so it's sad. Here we go. But she. Oh, real quick, but uh, just to give context. So, Valeria is basically the one who was like, we need to put together. Like, she's essentially like the ringleader of the yes. Lipstick Lacerators. Like, she was like, this This is like her idea. She was like, absolutely, we need to like fight back. So, she's like the leader, basically, of the group. That is great context because they're probably like, but why Valeria out of all the characters would need a background? <laughs> and you're right. It's because she's quintessential <laughs> to the plot's development as it goes forward. Um, so. <laughs> Anyway, she used to be a drag. You go for it. <laughs> and that was back in the day. And then she sort of started tra- transitioning. And she had this boy who was like real sweet on her. Like, mm-hmm. he, I, Marcy wrote heinously supportive, which I then wrote ha <laughs> because I found it so funny. <laughs> um, but yes, he was heinously supportive. One might say <laughs> he even loved her. <laughs> so, um, one day she does, she decides she's done with drag. Oh, by the way, she was also just like amazing. She was like the duchess and like nobody could mm-hmm. touch her. And she was just astounding. She just was better than the actual people who sang the real songs when they sang it. And yeah, one day she decides. Literally no, was just better than everybody. Like just everybody. <laughs> Everyone so. was like 10 all around. One person put a 9.5, but we don't like them. So Right. So anyway, so she decides she's done with drag. And after her final performance, she runs into some like, I guess men, I don't know, I guess they're snapping their fingers in the background, like, you know, singing like the West Side Story kids, but they are heinous and they decide to kill her partner because I guess nothing gold can stay, pony boy. Anyway, from there, she shaves her head. That's a reference to the outsiders, by the way. So anyway, there's like so many references here that I feel like I should just footnote in the in the section, the note section. Anyway, she saves her head. She casts some spells and she swears she'll never love again. She'll never hurt again. Mm-hmm. And then we later like see this like kind of, I don't know, side plot or something. It doesn't really go anywhere. But Valeria and Lucretia yeah. like used to have a thing back in the day. And we see this in like a hushed conversation between them where Lucretia is basically like, Valeria, this is a terrible idea. Like you've kind of taken this idea too far. You, you're just kind of love in love with this sort of romanticized sort of revolutionary fever. She's like, Oh, you didn't mind it when it was me and you. And then she's like, well, you know, things have changed. And then Lucretia's like, oh, or Valeria's like, you didn't think that the world could really change and be something different and you deserve more. And then Lucretia's like, mm. what's this really about? It's about that new person that came in, the protagonist. And I was like, the protagonist? Oh. What? The protagonist? And then you start to realize that there's some like underlying sexual tension stuff happening. And Akko was like, wait, what? Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't really peep that either. I was kind of like, wait, where the fuck did this come from? Yeah. And then I was like, is this everyone? Is there secretly like some romantic undertone through this whole thing that I'm just like not picking up on? It's nice to know that you also didn't pick up on it. I feel less lonely now. Anyway, 
So there's this other subplot. <laughs> no, I was also like, when the fuck? <laughs> yeah, you're good. Anyway, so, but then it, it makes you realize that the, the narrator is a bit unreliable, which I guess we'll talk about in the discussion section, right? Because I don't think she realizes mm. how much like sexual attraction and tension is maybe influencing the advantages she's getting inside the group, whatever. So. Oh, come on. That's T T. Perhaps. Anyway, so this, there's a subplot where they like go to the university to meet some students who are like, we want to ally with the cause. And oh, my God. Yeah. They kind of just want to write, <laughs> I guess, articles or something. I don't know. Like, I guess they I don't know. I don't know how Toronto works. Like, maybe this is a good thing and everyone's very happy about it. And maybe they're not in Toronto. Yeah, maybe the Academy. I don't know. Like is more cares like socially. Or something. yeah i don't know yeah. maybe even the author doesn't really care that much all we know is that she meets a trans white boy <laughs> named josh and there's like an energy or whatever he's like do you like books and she's like i like books and then they're like why don't we read books together and Aka was like okay um so then anyway shortly if after- only dating was this simple my god <laughs> all yeah. i gotta do is like books listen i got a whole it's color pages book club boom yeah everyone seemed clock the resume <laughs> right if it's that simple <laughs> i love that Marty just shows up ah uh, yes books honestly though as two people who met with you just being like i like reading and me being like i also like reading i guess it really is that simple so that is real actually huh, yeah. maybe i should leave with that more yeah yeah so uh-uh. That's just as serendipitous as this. So Akko takes away her previous cynicism. Anyway, the fans. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, there's like a police raid where basically the gang kind of like goes after their usual their usual prospects. But it turns out to be mm-hmm. a cop. And the cop's like, ha ha ha. And he like jumps them with all his cop friends. And they oh, try to escape. by running. Th- this part actually was like very, I was very stressed by this because in America, maybe also in canada they talked about batons a lot and i was like that's very strange to me because all of y'all would have same because uh, they don't carry batons in america it, it's tasers and guns and yeah they don't really chase yeah. you they they just kill you anyway so they just shoot you yeah. yeah but i was like it's canada so anyway so the fans try to escape by running through the streets and the streets themselves this like magical kind of morph to assist them and it's great except like the protagonist ends up near this fountain the same one where the first femme was murdered so many years ago and then from the shadows like a cop is like attacking lucretia so she can like see lucretia being attacked and then try to pull a gun on her so she swoops into action she like grabs his baton and she like hits him and then he mm-hmm. falls into the that to the and he like falls into the fountain but not into it like you know like the edge of it and he's killed mm-hmm. instantly so she naturally freaks out. This is also very similar to The Outsiders when Johnny kills one of the, one of the socias that's trying to kill Ponyboy. Everyone's going to be like, why do you keep referencing The Outsiders? Anyway, in that one... I was like, going to say, this reminded me a lot of um, The Death of Vivek OG. Oh, sorry, huge spoiler. You, no one's ever, like hasn't read that. But, um, oh, yeah, that's that, fair. That, yeah, that, yeah. That, this, that scene reminded me a lot of that, actually. Yeah, Yeah, except I feel like in Vivek, the Oseta wasn't trying to hurt hurt vivek this is true Uh, this is true but apparently i mean there's a lot of things where people like fall against the edge of something and die so i guess like Like immediately yeah yeah and i don't know if that's true in real life but just like avoid edges y'all i don't know if this is like quicksand (laughs) like it's literally like i don't know maybe we should all wear helmets like fuck like i don't know like watching this should i be like nervous yeah i was thinking about i was like damn like you just don't want to fall on an edge Uh, anyway so that's exactly that wasn't that's not what they were trying to teach us anyway so um 
they're freaking out obviously they've just murdered a man and there's like kind of a split so first it's like first lucretia and the protagonist don't like each other so they're arguing and throwing insults back and forth and then eventually lucretia's like don't worry about it i'll take the fall it's my mess i'm gonna do it like i don't need other people to protect me and take care of me you all think i'm you know this like kind of bitchy white girl but it's not true yada 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 and then they're like just kidding that's not what happened actually vines showed up from the ground and pulled the the body into the shadows and disappeared him and i'm like okay both of these are not possible but let's continue and so lucretia (laughs) (laughs) basically lucretia and the protagonist like yeah like basically slink away out of the situation that in reality cannot be slinked away from but this is a book so and they kind of yeah i don't know Mary Poppins, oh like they both like grabbed an umbrella and just like swooped into this guy or something. So, oh my god, that is literally I I love that so much. That's so fucking fun. I love how like the streets morphing to help them run away. We're, we're like, okay, okay, I'm with it, I'm with it. But then it's like the vines. Is, like I think it was the part where they were like. Oh, no, just kidding. What actually happened was that vines came out of the fountain. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Anyway, well, I think what just gets me is that there's like implication, like. There's just an implication here that can't be just like, you know, like the mermaid thing, like regardless here or there, there's really no consequence to one telling or the other. But with this one, right. there's quite a consequence oh, to huge. the way. But anyway, this is not the discussion section. Marcy, please. Yep. Okay. Well, th- thank you for that reminder because I was going to be like, oh, and another thought. And it's like, no, do this later. <laughs> okay. So what happens next is that basically... So unlike the situation with the gang of men um, where the lipsticks like wore like wore them out, this time they actually yeah. got pretty fucked up behind this raid. Like it really, it kind of, this shit was, was like kind of rock they shit, honestly. Um, and the community really starts to splinter. Like the yeah. community of femmes like really starts to like kind of splinter because of all of this. Valeria actually, so again, she's the one who kind of like led all of this. Like she kind of escapes the city because she's like, a girl, is people looking for me? Like the cops is after me. Like mm. I gotta go. And so before she leaves, she has this like interaction with the protagonist that like trigger warning is like kind of violent and like sexual assaulty. It was like real. I, it was really good. It was like not great. It was um, bad. It was yeah, just a generally kind of shitty. To give it context, Valeria's like you're a fighter and. Um... The protagonist is like, no, I'm not actually. I don't want to be a fighter. And she feels, you know, be- she just doesn't feel good about everything that's happened. And Fleer is like, no, you can do this. You're going to be the leader next after me. And Fleer, like, and the protagonist doesn't really want to take that on. So then mm-hmm. she decides to kiss her, like, kind of unconsensually, not kind of unconsensually, and then to like touch her unconsensually. And and it kind of gives her the same feeling, the protagonist of like the, the killer bees inside her body, which kind of best mm-hmm. indicates that it's triggering her her past sexual assault and therefore is like not a consensual reaction. Mm-hmm. And then she punches her in the face. So and then Valeria kind of like spits out her the blood in her mouth. It's like, see, I told you you were a fighter. So it's kind of it's, it's like both a physical and kind of a mind fuck. You know, it's a little bit like yeah. manipulative on like five different levels. Um, mm-hmm. and then it's like what's Valeria's intention now that we know that also she has she's been clocked for kind of liking this girl in the first place so it's like what exactly mm-hmm. is this all about do you even know and like does everyone 
even though as everyone's like a little bit lost in their emotions um who knows anyway that's the end of that section if you skipped for the trigger warning you can come back now and i'm just gonna lob the ball back to marcy (laughs) no you're good um no and thank you for that context yeah like it was just very and, and this is something it's very salient too because the protagonist struggles a lot with this feeling like and i'll go into this in a moment but like she just really struggles with like feeling a lot of i mean one just guilt behind the fact that she killed somebody and also just feeling like she's just inherently violent and doesn't want to be and so valeria like weaponizing this insecurity against her and then utilizing sexual coercion and manipulation in order to like elicit that response to like prove a point that she didn't really have it a lot going on a lot going on anyway basically um after all of this the protagonist is like look i'm just gonna move in with kamaya who by the way <laughs> kamaya from mo- like literally the moment this idea yeah. started to germinate was like this is a bad idea do not fucking do this and i just find it really interesting that now everyone's leaning on kamaya yet again but we're <sighs> gonna get into that but um basically the, com- the protagonist moves in with kamaya because she's like i'm nervous like i don't know what's happening she's also being haunted by these like dream these like horrible nightmares that she's having after killing that cop where basically the cop like comes back into her dreams and it's similar to valeria's like oh you're evil just like me blah 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 and like he always shows up in the form of like a zombie sometimes she thinks about like his family especially when she sees like oh like people are clocking that like a cop whole ass went missing like only she and lucretia really know what happened so it's just a lot of guilt so she's like kamaya help me so while she's staying with Kamaya, Rapunzel, who by the way used to date Kamaya, but they broke up because behind this whole like lipstick lacerator shit, they are like, you know, they're not together, but like they're like having these conversations. And basically Kamaya is just like fucking furious with Rapunzel's like reckless behavior. And I don't know, during all this, like everybody, everybody is struggling, y'all. Like, I don't know, the fems are all struggling, like lipsticks are disbanded, cops still out here running through this motherfucker. Like, it's just really just not the tea. And basically, yeah, like everyone, you know, the protagonist just feels like everything she touches gets destroyed. Like she's just inherently this destructive force. And so Kamaya, again, in her just just truly altruistic um, form, really put so she puts together like an open night, open mic night. Um, that's just for the femmes mm, of the community. Yeah, it's like a for us bias situation. Like gathers all the femmes. It's like we're just gonna have a moment. We're gonna have a night of just like artistic expression and joy and like speaking to one another and beauty and healing and we're just gonna really just like come together and like really just be with each other um and a lot of folks commented on how it was really lovely seeing like you know like they knew that like a lot of you know femmes in the community could like sing and dance and do all these different things but like none of it was at in any way in service to like men or cis folks or anything like it was just very much like just for us and so like there was a certain there was a certain beauty and nuance and and utility and just having the being able to witness it in a sense it's like oh we're just doing this for our own community we're like all lifting ourselves up so so very beautiful moment lived yeah um after this we see a moment where um again protagonist still staying at kamaya's house so like there's a there's a moment where like the protagonist is sleeping but like she wakes up and kind of overhears a conversation between um rapunzel and kamaya outside where basically um they're having by the way what's that rapunzel kamaya broke up with rapunzel after she was like y'all i told y'all not to get in this fight you got into this fight this is a hard no for me we are not together and then rapunzel has been trying to win her back basically since that happened. yes um Thank you for that. Agreed. Um, Yes, absolutely. Thank you for that context. (laughs) Um, 
And basically during this confrontation where they're have like that that they're having, you know, Rapunzel's annoyed because she's like, "Look, Kamaya, I feel like you just try to like utilize this whole like nice ass like holier than thou altruistic ass energy as a way to just like subtly manipulate and control the people around you and like kind of create this dependency onto you as like a form of like i don't know emotional manipulation and then kamaya is like well girl i'm mad at you because you dragged the protagonist into all this fucking bullshit like literally like like Mm -hmm. she is staying on my couch because she can't even go home because oh like she is being haunted by the nightmares of y'all's shenanigans like i don't know i just feel like when the two sides here ain't really weighing the same to me girl but whatever and all of this is actually it's also interesting too because there's very much like a very like kind of like an infantilization of the protagonist in this conversation where it's sort of like, you know, Kamai is very much like, oh, like, you forced her into this. Like, y'all forced her into, you forced her into Valeria's whole fucking Rocky and Bullwinkle ass, like, bullshit. Like, <laughs> what is this shit? And, like, Rapunzel into the... To, I don't I I hadn't agreed with Rapunzel a lot in part two but I can't agree with this part where she was like listen the the protagonist is a grown-ass woman like she knows that she knows what she's doing like you know what I mean like she knows right. what she's doing and so like let's not act like she doesn't have agency because she does she made a choice and you just didn't like the choice that she made and now you're trying to make it my fault that she mm. made that choice and Kamaya was like what you can do is get the fuck out of my face and I was like okay I think we can I think we can move on um anyway so needless to say the interaction ends <laughs> I think we can move on <laughs> I think the interaction moves it, it, ends poorly um and after overhearing all of this um basically the protagonist was like okay maybe i should like create some more boundaries between myself and kamaya maybe i need to like rely on her a little bit less be a little less codependent you know all of that can i point out that kamaya was like very upset about this and like was kind of crying on the couch and the protagonist's response was to like leave and i was like (laughs) it was (laughs) and then of course kamaya wakes up and is like where are you going and she's like oh you know out and you're like you know if there was one time where you could i don't know be the friend that kamaya needs come on maybe right now right but you were like nah anyway yep Anyway, so um, after this, the protagonist is like, oh, wow, look at me, not with Kamaya. Whom child just needs to take, go on a little walk. Kamaya just crying back at the house. Mm. Anyway, so like the protagonist, <laughs> let me stop. Anyway, the protagonist decides, you know what? Let me do the work to heal. We need to heal. Yes, healing. And so this mm. is kind of represented in the form of like her making a cake. Um, and like basically... As she and, and it's sort of a duality of like okay like she's not really one to bake she doesn't really like she doesn't really have a lot of familiarity with like how to make a cake so like to take the time to like be like okay like i need to like find the ingredients and like i don't know put it all together mm. and like just do this by myself like that kind of affords me feeling more like autonomous in this way and um as i try this cake it'll work to heal those around me. So literally like as she was like eating this cake, like the bees from inside of her got released. Um, and it just kind of like served as like the antidote to all the trauma, I guess. So like we see Rapunzel and Kamaya get back together, which I wasn't necessarily in love with that prospect, but like, whatever. Um, so we see them getting back together. We see that Soraya's family. So Soraya again was the one who was murdered. Um, and she was sort of the one that, the, the the conversation around her death was the was the thing that sort of germinated this idea of the lipstick lacerators. Like so we see that her family starts to grieve. We see that femmes are starting to reconnect. Like, you know, it's just like it's like real cute. Also, there's a character called Alzina the Witch who we like 
No shade. We haven't really brought up that much. Um, but she like helped in all of this, you know, like healing the trauma and stuff. <laughs> she was so around, yeah, yeah, like you know, Alzina was like there. Um, so there's like cake, like we're like eating cake and like healing, like it was like really cute. And after this, we see that the yeah. protagonist gets reconnected with Josh, who again is old boy from earlier, part of the like college allies. Like was like ah yes 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 like books and the like books. Um, <laughs> And so he, they kind of get reconnected because Josh reached out to the protagonist was like, I'm just really concerned about everything that happened. Like, you good? Like, what's up? Like, blah, 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 blah. And then, like, the protagonist is like, oh, my God, boy, what? Like, there's, you know, just energy or whatever. Like, energy. And so mm-hmm. they go on, like, a little zate or whatever um, in a cemetery of all places, which, by the way, so, so yeah. that's noteworthy because if y'all remember from part one, um, the protagonist has a... Ghost friend. A ghost friend who she also met in a cemetery. So it just felt very like, okay, this is interesting. Um, and so there was a part of her. There was definitely like a healing thing right. going on. And it was very much like she was kind of like, damn, like I'm dating. J- like if I go into this date with Josh and I'm with Josh in the cemetery, like ghost friend, what's the role of ghost friend? Like who, like what's going to happen? But ghost friend is like, no, y'all got it. Boo, y'all got it. Y'all literally got it. Like it's, 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 it's gooey. Like don't worry. Um, and Josh was like, who is that? And like the protagonist was like, don't worry about it. Um, so basically the protagonist eventually you know, starts dating Josh, boop, boop, boop. They're dating for a couple weeks. They decide to move in together. So specifically, she decided to move in with him. I feel like six weeks. It's really fast. I was like, wow, six weeks? Yeah. Y'all yep. don't even know what type of toothpaste mm-hmm. the other one uses. Yep. Like, and just... They, what's his favorite color? Right. What's your middle name? I mean, what's his last name? I mean, all, all I saw was Josh on the pages. I don't know what the time more than we did, but so, but you know, regardless, they decide to move in together, and you know, this is sort of shortly after she's meeting like more of his family, and like he comes from just like a rich ass family and a rich ass life, like just rich as shit. And she's like, "Listen, I mean." Mm. What I'm not going to do with Josh is struggle. What we not about to do is financially struggle. We literally always going to be good because, <laughs> I mean, the money. And so yeah. while she's living with him, she realizes that, like, okay, maybe this, like, isn't her narrative. Specifically what happened was that, like, she was using his toilet paper once and was like, this is the silkiest, most otherworldly <laughs> ass toilet paper. Has anyone on this planet ever even used toilet paper of this caliber? And she was like, this ain't it. Like, mm. this is not, this is not my narrative. So <laughs> basically she decides to blow a kiss into his TV and it like destroyed his TV. I'm only mentioning this because that was like the first scene of the book actually, where basically she was watching right. this um, interview with this like white trans woman and like, was like I hate cis respectability bullshit and like blew a kiss into the TV and like destroyed it. So fast forwarding, that was actually at Josh's house. That was Josh's TV that was destroyed by the kiss. And then I think she destroyed like other shit of his. Um, Josh wasn't home for this, um, but then came home and she was like, "Sorry, I just like had to destroy some of your shit." And he was like, "Yeah, that's fine." And I was just kind of like, "That's a really um, I." I, Marcy, on this, listen, mm. I don't know, maybe Josh has reached a place that I have not, but I would not, I have, would not, I could cop, what I could tell you all on, to this, on this here today, I would not have, not have reacted like that, but okay. Mm. Josh is like, I get it, a journey you must go on, it is totally fine. And she was like, ah, yes, farewell, Josh. Wait, no, no, no. She destroys his TV. <laughs> he comes back. She's like, sorry, sometimes I just get angry and destroy things. And he's like, no worries, I'll take care of it. Then I'm pretty sure she leaves without telling him. Oh, wait, she left without telling <laughs> him? She, 
I'm pretty sure because she, she was. Oh like, yeah, she left like a note or I'm something, best, right? Like, yeah, like escape artist. She's like, I guess I should leave a note. I think she took a little money and she was like, I'm out the window. Yep. So. You. Yeah. Okay. So my bad. I yeah. I said it, I gave a farewell <laughs> scene that didn't happen. Um. Yeah. So she just left. Um. <laughs> basically. And so when she leaves, she decides that she needs to go on another adventure to find herself. Um, now that she's, you know, built community and found out what love could be, like, she's like, okay, I need to leave the Street of Miracles so that I can, like, come back to it better and more improved and, you know, as a better person. Like, I must leave to, to, to sort of move to this next level. I have thoughts about that. But, um, yeah. yeah, that's basically how it ends. Um yeah so Mm. anyway um that's it (laughs) and so now we're just going to take a little break and then we get back we'll go into all of our thoughts and feelings and we're back and are okay so um i have thoughts on the book i like it what? i like the book oh, okay well, <laughs> okay. well <laughs> let me i like the tone i like the witty kind of hilarious dialogue i like the snappy shortness again i still like the structure i think it's a great structure um i like that the protagonist is unreliable actually i think it's really fun and interesting that she doesn't have everything right i like some of the things she's struggling with like am i just an innately violent person like maybe i just can't get rid of this violence i think there's a lot of things that we all think are innate to us or we grew up with or we internalize that we think are us and having to struggle with that and there's a part where she's you know thinking of the policeman she killed and realizing there's some similarities there and i know not we don't really want to recognize the violence in ourselves that's similar to the violence of the oppressor but Mm. um humans are human and so that's a truth that we have to face about the potentiality of all of us to some type of Mm. violence And, and she also had this kind of these lines about like having to contend with did i fight these fights for Samaya or did I fight them because I wanted to fight people Um, Mm. and having to really like detangle your narrative your imaginings from like your actual motivations is like a really important thing that we I think a lot of people struggle with by the way Samaya is a real person who was murdered in 2015 in Canada she was 26 years old Um, apparently from all of her friends accounts she was a wonderful beautiful person who was like both an activist and an educator and a chance woman somali so muslim mm-hmm. and there's a lot of mystery on her death and the police didn't really take it seriously so that's also just something to know like this is at the end of the day you know this is a real real people that are hurt so it's the fantastical elements are only fantastical in the sense that they add to the story but the reality of trans lives is real so there's that ah there are things i don't love about this book (laughs) Mm -hmm. um i think there's a couple of things one i think 
Kamaya gets just the shortest of sticks. Oof. Maybe does she even get a stick? Yeah. So, and I feel like, <laughs> like everyone's like, Kamaya, why don't you want to fight this fight? And she's like, I've been doing this for fifteen years. I've lost a lot of girls. I haven't seen this work. You know what, Kamaya? <laughs> you're the worst. And at the end of it, they're mm-hmm. like, Kamaya, you're so self-righteous. Always trying to help people. And she's just like, it's like, is anyone going to recognize that I'm just right? And, mm. you know, I think, I think it's this, it's easy to blame the person who's, who's giving so much. Everyone's like mm-hmm. sanctifying her. But what's really astounding about Kamaya is that she's not actually a saint. <laughs> she is a mm-hmm. person doing saintly things. And so when they come at her with this like energy of like, you're just doing nice, being nice to have control over people. If Kamaya was even 10% bad for all the good she's doing, if the worst thing that Kamaya is doing is helping and supporting others for this inkling of like power that it gives her, would that be the worst <laughs> thing right. that a person could be doing that's so right like you know the desire is such a strong reaction i don't think so so i think that's a little unfair to you know very unfair um i think i think there's a difference between selfishness and liberation that i don't know is completely figured out in the story I think the protagonist mm. does a lot of selfish things under the lens in the geist, perhaps, of liberation. For instance, your boyfriend has a TV and a nice house and a nice part of town. He's also trans. He's very understanding. You broke his TV. <laughs> why did you right. do that? <laughs> it's not your TV. One, why did you run out on him, too, and not have an adult conversation after this whole little spiel you had about love and baking cakes and solving issues with love and growth? Mm-hmm. I don't think the next move is then to jump out a window and leave without an explanation the person who you seem to care about and who cares about you. It's also not like... She says this line where she's like, I'm the greatest escape artist. And I'm like, honey, it's not an escape if you just walked out the front door. What what was stopping you from leaving? Nothing. So you didn't escape anything. You just walked out. Mm. There's nothing. <laughs> there's, there's no fantastical <laughs> feat. <laughs> and I say that because, <laughs> to my point earlier about romanticization versus reality, I think romanticization is fine. In fact, I think it's great. But I think sometimes these things can be a bit self-serving to the point that they hurt people. Mm. and that's what i sort of don't like i i get being fierce and ferocious i mean as a black woman and i don't people that's not necessarily a helpful thing for me people don't assume that i'm soft anyway but i get you know the appeal but mm-hmm. i don't know if i entirely think that's the liberation that we're looking for now granted you could be like this book isn't about liberation it's not about any of that it's about this girl who just lived her best life and that's it you're like okay fair Mm -hmm. and it is memoir so there's that but i guess for me there was a tone of it that seemed a little bit like robin hood like heroic Mm -hmm. and i was like i'm not feeling what Mm -hmm. makes it heroic i mean it's human but it's not heroic. And then there was this line with Charity where she's like, Charity, I can't protect you anymore. Everyone has to learn how to protect themselves. And I'm like... Charity's her sister for folks who may yeah. not remember. And I was mm-hmm. like, "You, Charity's 13 and you left. It's, you're not really... You haven't really... And all you do is send her some stuff. That's not really... You're not really protecting anyone. And also, haven't you had just like a number of really protective people give you a great chance? Like, I mean, the vines literally came out of the ground and like 
ghosted a dead body for you. So what do you what do you mean about like everyone needs to learn how to be fierce? You know, like I'm I'm just wary of this mm. language when you're I don't think that's what we need. People need to learn how to be fiercer. People just need to get the same type of protection that you started to get when you came to the Street of Miracles. You know? So I I don't mm-hmm. know. I get I wary I'm wary of the idea of like someone getting a lot of protection and then being like, actually I'm standing on my own and I need to find myself. Mm. And you're like, I don't think you're adequately recognizing whose strength you're requiring to do the thing that you're doing. Mm. Now, again, I'm not going to come for this this woman's book too hard because it's, it's great. It's hilarious. It's funny. It's insightful. It's deep. I liked it. But I just, that is a thing that I've seen, not just in this narrative, but in a lot that I'm like, I don't know about all this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the cake baking, I wish fixing things was that easy, you know? And it's fine if that's like healing for yourself, like that's an internal alchemy you're doing. But I don't know if Samaya's parents are feeling better because you're baking a cake. I don't know if Rapunzel mm. <laughs> and Maya are getting better back together if you're baking. I don't know if Valeria is finding herself on a train because you're baking a cake. You know, I get it. You know, one small mm. action can change the universe. But I just, I think it underestimates how fragile community is to build and, and, and how mm-hmm. much how much someone might be putting into it like Kamaya. Yeah, and I just I would have liked to see the protagonist explain how she was helping Kamaya out more or how she was giving back because I didn't get that either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know. It's one thing to screw other communities that aren't helping you. But I was like, I would have loved to see a little bit more investment in the community that you're a part of. If we're gonna throw out, mm. throw around words like community and sisters, you know that does come with obligations. Mm. So that's that was my mm. thought. What about you, Marcy? Yeah, um, I'm really, I'm really glad you said everything you just did. I think, I think you touched on something that I also kind of struggled a little bit with with this book. Um, generally speaking, yes, I, I, I love this book. I mean, it's like fucking hilarious. Like, I loved sort of the, you know, things we talked about in part one. You know, it's like very i don't want to be like it's so raw but like you know it, i mean it, it keeps it a stack right like and it's just like but also there's like kind of a funny conversational very um but also very sort of real tone to it that like i just really appreciate and like i think the i mean the story is also i mean just i mean a lot of really important conversations happening so really value this text but i think that is kind of one of the biggest things i did struggle with like i feel like there was a certain I'm not sure if I would say, like just I guess a lack of accountability in some ways mm. for the protagonist's behavior and even not even just her I think like a lot of the femmes in the community I think there was a certain like I don't know like if and 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 and, and I think this speaks to just the bigger like to your point about like community sisterhood all these different things like these these close ties like that comes with a lot of complication yeah. and a lot can come with a lot of conflict and so like i mean that's real right like that's real mm-hmm. but i think a part of me did struggle a little bit with just some of the lack of accountability with the protagonist point of view just given that you know that she was the one that we were hearing from the most um t- and to your point about the whole piece with like you know telling charity like you know you have to find you know like be more fierce and like you know i can't always be there to protect you etc i think this kind of goes to what we we're saying about kamaya in the sense of like kamaya's labor 
throughout this entire journey, like literally from the moment you landed mm. in this town, like Kamaya was there with you to provide you with resources and, and a community and all these different like insights and, and knowledge. And like, I mean, she's literally in so many ways, like made so much room and so much space for you. So like, to your point, I mean, about like, you know, not recognizing like what, like what advantages we have been afforded. It, it is kind of in a way kind of like, I think speaks to that same pernicious trend of like folks like Kamaya. And I think to your point earlier that you were making at the end of part one, just around how, black femmes in particular like their labor is sort of being like there's almost like an expectedness not even almost there just is yeah. like an expectedness or like a sort of a social role that like people are like oh well like i mean you're supposed to do this so like i'm not gonna recognize mm-hmm. I mean, you just you just do that right and it's just kind of like what the fuck and so like i don't know just shit like that i was kind of like okay like i'm not like it's just, like i think mm, i think there's some i think we need to do a little bit and even like at the end when it was kind of like I left the community so I could like come back and be better. I mean, I, I understand the logic and I'm not going to sit here and act like I've never done something similar that I've just left a place to, you know, find some element of myself or to ostensibly be able to return to a place that I once called home with a different outlook. But I think in, in the wake of everything that has happened, I do think that there is a, I'm like, so we're just going to leave? I don't know. It just kind of felt like, damn, so we're just going to leave? Like, I feel like there's so much work to be done. I don't know. I guess maybe... And, and also, too, I, I I will say this as well. You know, the protagonist is also very young, right? Yeah. Like, she's, what, like, 18, Barely. 19? So, like, I, like I told... Right. Like, so, like, fully, you know, I'm, I'm knocking on 30, right? And so, like, it's like, okay, like, I'm, I acknowledge we're in, like, different life stages. But I think perhaps for me, like, I'm at a moment in my life where I'm just like, okay, like, what does it look like to, like be in a space, gain something from that space, be it community, as, uh, understanding, new understandings of myself, like just whatever clarity that comes along with a certain lived experience somewhere. But also what does it mean to also like contribute as well? And not to say that she did not contribute. I'm not going to say that she did not contribute. But I think in a moment, especially given how sensitive things were when she left, I was like, I feel like I'm not sure if leaving, I don't know. It just It almost feels like, all this shit happened. We're like kind of struggling to get back together as a community. I'm dipping, but maybe also too, maybe I'm missing the metaphor as far as the cake. Cause maybe like by the end it was kind of like things were better. So like it was fine, but I guess, I don't know. Maybe I'm just like stuck in the realism of like, <laughs> like I know it's not that simple, you know? So it's like, I don't know. I, I just, I think I struggled a little bit with like the resolve there. Um, like it's no Sade, like it is what it is, but like, it's just kind of like, you know, for me, I was kind of like, <clears throat> um, what, what were you going to say? I think it's okay if you're just being selfish. Like, I've run away from things. Yeah. I've done things for myself. I, I'm an older sibling. I'm a younger sibling. I I have taken responsibility. I've not taken responsibility. At 19, 20, you don't mm-hmm. want to take responsibility for everybody's life. That's not your job. You you didn't, you know, yeah. Charity is not your child. Like, <laughs> you're her sister, mm-hmm. you're not her mom, you know. That makes sense. I think mm-hmm. my issue is when you call a perfectly normal action of just being selfish <laughs> and being self-invested, if you make it more, I don't know, helping other people than mm-hmm. it is. Like, it's okay that you're not right. helping other people. But I, I just, right. I didn't, I, and maybe it was kind of like, in a way, trying to make 
make meaning out of all this and give it a bigger meaning, which I don't think you should be forced mm-hmm. to do with your memoir. Like, right. Like you shouldn't have to make your thing like this big thing, right. <laughs> it can just be your simple memoir mm-hmm. story. So maybe that's where things right. get lost, but yeah, it, it doesn't, it, I, it just is what it is. <laughs> you're a kid. You're right. like, that's just what it is. Yeah. And it's fine. And you're right. Like, Real? older when you get older you start seeing things like how can i contribute or like what can i do differently and mm-hmm. and that's a thing for people who are older right like that's just life how life works you get older you learn mm-hmm. more i think what's hard is this person the protagonist knows a lot of the right words but they don't carry the weight mm-hmm. in the book so there's a lot of great lines like and and she's really good at telling you what other people, deep things other people said, which is great too. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if she entirely embodies it in the book itself. Um, and so sometimes mm. things come off a bit like platitudes. That's my point. That's what I think. But yeah. it's a good book. So <laughs> there's that. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's real. That's real. And, and, and to that, you know, I, I, I do feel like i mean yes like i i think certainly there's like it's mean, like complicated shit with this book right but like also a lot of things that i genuinely live for in this book i love the like conversation around i mean no matter what the community and like how much healing needs to be done in this community i love that they talked about like the sanctity of like femme spaces of like really coming together and lift each other up and i also kind of just like that like in all the messiness it was kind of like okay like there is like an actual baseline community here because i feel like sometimes something i i've experienced firsthand is like sort of being in spaces where they're like yes we're family community mm, we here and it's just kind of like but like are we like do we have that rapport you know like it's just like it's i i i feel like the familiarity and the um and just like the sanctity of like really coming together i i really really loved i loved like i don't know and it is what it is, but I kind of live for the lipsticks lacerators. Not for nothing. Like, I don't know. I was kind of with the shits. Like, I was like, I love this. Like, I love the fury of this response. And again, maybe it's just like, okay, like, I know this is like magical realism, like, whatever. Um, But like, I did love sort of this, like, you know, patriarchal sort of fury and like kind of being like, I'm tired of the shit. Like, and I think that kind of speak that I think reading those parts really spoke to a reaction or a type of reaction that I have certainly felt pulled to do, but like haven't necessarily done before or enacted. And so I think there was a piece there where I was like, I love just sort of seeing that fully played out and then being like, yeah, like we're going to like just fucking like take names. Like we don't give a shit. And like, I was kind of like, I don't know. I'm like kind of here for it. Like I kind of, I'm not fully mad at this, you know? And I think, you know, the protagonist to her credit, like I liked I mean, granted, how she left Josh, I'm like, eh, could have been better. Could have not done it that way. But, like, I also enjoyed sort of the recognition of, like, okay, like, this isn't my narrative, right? Like, I I, I think we are, you know, in this in this community, like, you know, as trans femmes, we're sort of, there's this, like, this is gold standard of being able to live a life like this. But I know that in this space, this is not what I want. And so, like, kind of choosing to go with and even if i don't fully know what it is i do want i know it's not this so i'm gonna like seek that instead i was like okay like that's like a that's like a self-determinant nature that i think is really dope so like there again there are things that like generally speaking 
there's a lot of shit I like about this book. Like baseline, I fuck with this book. Um, and I don't know. It's just it. It was just something. It made me think a lot. Some of the metaphors I feel like I'm still like grappling with. I'm still tr- trying to fully understand the cake metaphor and like what that could translate into. But um, I don't know. Generally speaking, I was kind of like, okay, the community here, like some things to work on, a little bit of mess to 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 navigate. But like ultimately, you know, important dialogue happening, a lot of interesting timely conversations coming up so like i fucks with it kind of thing so Mm. so yeah Yeah. i think so i've i've seen like a decent bit of police brutality in the last two years um so i think things that used to used to roll off my back i think i'm a little bit more on kamaya's side a little bit just because when things fall apart they really fall apart so I think I had a, I struggled a little bit with that section because mm-hmm. the consequences can be very real. And here they were magicked away, which I appreciate. It's a magical story. Yeah, that one's a hard one for me to... I think it's one I could have seen more before, but I have a harder time mm-hmm. seeing now. Um, but yeah, the book is... Uh, it's good. It's 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 fun. It has its a strong amount of things that are really, you know, kind of phenomenal about it. Um, I love the discussion about hunger and love. Yeah. The, the subversions were great. Metaphors are great. So, all right. Well, anyway, so that's the book. You can read it. It's literally not <laughs> book. You can find it in the stores. Um, anyway, so if you have other thoughts about it, there's Twitter at the color pages, Instagram, these color pages, email as well thesecolorpages at gmail.com and we have a website thesecolorpages.com so if you want you can check it out because they all exist on the internet so mm-hmm. yes correct and if the show brought you I'm sure y'all are like wow we really just uh just ending the show <laughs> um, so like if the show brought you any love light delight because this is what mm, yes poetry um feel free to leave us some love wherever you're listening to this podcast could be apple podcast spotify tune in stitcher pocket cast whatever your whatever is your tea we are probably on that shit so just leave us a little love you know a little comment little rating little review moment i see it on my apple podcast we have i think 48 so like if y'all want to get us to 50 like i mean 50 is like really cute like i mean not for nothing i mean you're literally listening right now like literally you're listening right now like what if you just like open up that apple podcast app and just just love a little five star moment and love a little comment we really appreciate it we really appreciate you just you know but you know y'all autonomous listen y'all grown-ass <laughs> people doing your thing but listen i'm just saying if y'all did that for us i i i marcy i'm pointing to my eye i would be very thankful so just just go say that um also if you really like this episode and you you're there's just you know someone else in your life that you're that you're, that you're just like you know what you need right now this book that is um complicated Ooh. but really interesting you know like certainly send them a link to this episode no context literally no context just send that link after you leave us a little rating or review because uh uh because uh, you okay so once you do that um send them the link to this episode and then you know just take a nap. 
Just take a huh. nap, a peaceful nap. And then maybe you can dream about like throwing your phone onto like, <laughs> I don't know, a rocket ship and go sending it into space. But today, maybe just take a little nap. I know that's uh, something that, that we need. So like certainly I invite you all to do the same. And all of that's going to help our community to become even more colorful. And next time, we're going to be reading a book that we do not know at this moment in time. Um, so, yeah. So, we our summer short series is starting next time. Ow, 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 ow. Whoop, whoop, whoop. And y'all are like, wow, so you don't. So that episode's coming out in two mm-hmm. weeks, and y'all like you like just don't yep. know. Y'all know what y'all read That's next, it. and we're like, we yep, we sure don't. So we don't know what we're reading next, but I'm sure it'll be lovely. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be some kind of like po- comic book pot, you know, little little moment. But but keep an eye out on our social media, and we'll likely update our reading schedule soon, and you should be able to see. Hopefully, 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 before the episode <laughs> actually comes out. We go see, child. We go see. Um, but between now and then, and everyone's like, really? Between now and then? Because there's not really a then. Like, is there a then? Because you said nothing. Um, but between now and then, um, Akko, is there anything else we should leave our listeners with before we head out? No, just until we meet again um, <laughs> with a book of some kind in the future. Uh, just... <laughs> Just remember to stay Stay colorful. colorful.